Today's gospel is the continuation of last Sunday gospel. If you remember, Jesus is in Nazareth, in the synagogue, where he stood up and read the prophet Isaiah. The scroll was handed on to him. He opened the scroll and proclaimed this prophecy. And then he claimed that Isaiah's words were fulfilled in their hearing. It was an amazing and unprecedented claim. And what was the reaction of the people listening to him? Scripture says that they began to commend him. All spoke highly of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came out of his, mind, of his mouth. So they were speaking highly about him. So let's dwell for a moment on, on giving and receiving praise. It is good to encourage others to commend and praise what others do well. It shows magnanimity that you're not threatened by what others do well, that you're not comparing yourself too much, and that you're able to recognize goodness when you see it. And it also motivates people to improve, to do their best, to rise above themselves. Everyone in leadership positions know this. If you're a coach or a teacher or in the military or in the corporate world or wherever, really, where you have people that work with you or below you, you know that the people that work with you need those words of encouragement. And we need those words of encouragement as well. Studies on leadership signal that the proportion between praises or words of affirmation and corrections should be three to one at least. So every time you want to correct someone, you have to see, okay, I have to commend him for, for three things at least. So that, of course, you don't want to lie to anyone, but it should be true things, right? But you should be able to encourage for what people are doing well and also sometimes correct. So, important of the importance of correction, of encouragement, I'm sorry. And it is also important to, to be kind in our words. St. Paul, in the second reading, he says, love is kind. A kind word in a proper moment goes a long way. It's so helpful. It opens many doors. It connects people, brings them together melts what is maybe frozen in the moment. All this being said, commending and even kindness has have their own limit, I think, or danger. It is important, but they have their own limit. If you think about it, on the part of the one who offers those words of affirmation, the danger is to become fearful or afraid to challenge or to confront. You know, sometimes you might be called to wake someone up or to shake him or her a little. Sometimes you need to use edgy words as well, so to say, and cut through mediocrity and to challenge and to push for more and to say things, you know, right clearly and straightforwardly, to call out someone or to a group of people. We are called to do that once in a while. For sure, we should never challenge or correct someone out of a bad mood or a bad day or out of selfishness. 
Yet love sometimes must confront, even if it's done with kind words. I remember once someone said to me, do you want to have a pleasant conversation or an honest one? I answered, a pleasant. <laughs> no, not really. On the part of the one who receives the encouraging words, the danger is to, to be trapped in them, to want too much to keep that type of recognition happening. Often people commend us for things that are not essential, and if we take those words to heart too much, they might derail us from our mission. We'll go back to this in a minute. So what should we do? I think we should reclaim our freedom by living before the gaze of the Father. True freedom and humility come from a clear awareness of who we are before the love of God. And that gives us freedom to commend or to criticize when needed, and also helps us to receive commendations, words of affirmation, and critiques with freedom as well. To give and to receive both things. Not to be driven so much by praise or criticism, but to have inner freedom to do what we should do. So when someone praises you, let's say someone says to you, what a great job you have done, you're such a good fellow, whatever. If you fully believe that, if you let that praise get into you, you are bestowing on that person a tremendous power. Because that very same person the next day can say to you, you're a jerk. Oh, what a horrible thing you have done. And then you're devastated. Not that you, you don't want to listen to what others say to you. Uh, we, we, we can and we should learn from others. We should be open to others and be humble enough to allow others to teach us and to criticize us or to support us. But, but we take some distance from it and we refer it to God we throw like a vertical line in the midst of words of affirmations or even corrections. So Lord, you know who I am. I may have done this great job or I may have failed, but you know who I am. God says to Jeremiah in the first reading and to us today, I formed you in the womb. I know you. I appointed you. Think about that. I know who you are. Even before you knew yourself, you have a mission. So when you receive praise, you say thank you. Thank you for that. But in your heart, you point a finger to heaven and say, thank you, Lord. And when you receive criticism, you say, thank you. I'll think about it. Thank you for that. And then you go and pray. You speak with God about it. We have in our community this very helpful, I think, practice. We call it chapter. Once every other week, we get together, we pray a little bit in the chapel, and then we offer each other words of affirmations and also corrections. But the rule is that you can only say thank you. You cannot defend yourself, you cannot explain. You just listen, thank you, I'll think about it. A helpful practice that we can do it even in a more informal setting. In today's gospel, we see that Jesus is praised by his fellows, Nazareans, 
And all spoke highly of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. But those words of affirmations were a little bit like empty talk. They were paying this lip service to him, but it was frivolous, it was superficial, because they were not willing to believe in him. They were not open to be challenged by the amazing fact that he was stating in that moment. They were instead focusing on his eloquence, his gracious words, or that the, on, on the fact that he was the son of Joseph and that they knew him when he was a kid. So they were commending for things that were true, but was not the most important thing. They were not paying attention of the essence of what he was saying. They were being shallow, thinking that they knew already that there's nothing new to listen from him. As a side note, I think we often tempted to do the same with the Lord, to tame Jesus by thinking that I already know Christianity or I already heard this gospel, but Jesus is pretty wild. His words are, all not, are not always easy to, to digest. His message goes far beyond just being kind to one another, as important as that is. Anyways, going back to the topic, Jesus receives these words of affirmation. He sees that people are talking to each other and, and you know, pointing fingers to him and happy about what he's saying, but not really listening to him. And he's not imprisoned by his praises. On the contrary, he retains this freedom to confront them and to rebuke them. Amen, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own native place. And then he comes with all these examples about this widow and this general that were pagans and that God blessed. And then when they pay attention to what he's saying, they become infuriated. They want to throw him uh, headlong. But he keeps his authority. He's detached from human praise and criticism, and he goes through them. So as a practical takeaway, nothing that we have or that we are really ultimately comes from God, from us, but from God. Everything that we are is received is a gift. We worked with the gifts that we have received, natural gifts and supernatural gifts. We receive and we do our best, but everything comes from him. So it's good to acknowledge this and to fight against the inclination to hold on or to attribute to ourselves our talents and achievements. By the way, in the spiritual tradition, this tendency to, to attribute it to ourselves is called vain glory. St. Francis de Sales, doctor of the church, he writes, quote, we call that vain glory which men take to themselves either for what is not in them or which being in them is not their own or which being in them and their own yet not worthy of their self-satisfaction. For instance, noble birth, favor of great men, popular applause, all these are things no wise belonging to ourselves, but coming from our forefathers or the opinion of others. We shouldn't hold on to them. They come and go, 
One day we are up there, the other day we're in the bottom. God knows who we are. Our identity doesn't stem from what other things about us, what other think about us. So we really need humility. The opposite of vainglory is humility. And it goes hand and hand with freedom. So you receive praise, thank you. Point the finger at, and move on. You receive criticism, thank you. Think about it. If it's fitting, make a resolution, try to change, but move on. Our deepest identity is rooted in God. We are who we are under the gaze of God. Not from our peers, not from our family or our friends or ancestors or a boss, not from our achievements or our failures, not from our virtues or from our sins, but from God.